All right, let me ask you a quick question. Does the idea of winning at work and succeeding at life excite you? Well, if it does, you're going to love this episode of the show. Serving up the strategies you need to build, market, and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your expertise. This is the Youpreneur Podcast. And here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Yes, hello there and welcome to another episode of the Youpreneur Podcast. It's great to be in your ears right? I could be on a speaker. I'm not going to say in your AirPods because I could be on a speaker, possibly, right? No matter where you're tuning in, though, I do very much appreciate it. If you're in the gym right now, working on yourself, good for you. Well done. It's great to be part of your workout. If you're walking your furry friend, I'm instantly in love with you because we all love our furry friends, don't we? Guys, it's great to be back with you. Um, Really really good episode this time around for you. I sit down with my good buddy, Michael Hyatt, who has just published another book. (laughs) Another book. It's like every year he comes out with a book. It's great. However, this one was co-written by his incredibly amazing and super smart daughter, Megan Hyatt Miller. And uh, actually, Megan is fundamentally running Michael's company now, day to day. We talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. But this new book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life, Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork, is possibly going to be his most important book thus far. Anyway, I'm sure he's probably got another dozen under his belt, no doubt. But we talk about the myth of work-life balance and why actually it's 100% doable to have that balance by just making a few small but incredibly powerful changes to the way that you are living your life, particularly as a business owner. So I know you're going to love this conversation with myself and Michael. Please lean back. Obviously, if you're at the gym, don't lean back on the treadmill. That could have horrific consequences. But nonetheless, lean back and enjoy this conversation between myself and Michael. Here we go. Youpreneur FM, your number one personal brand business podcast. So Michael, welcome back to the Youpreneur podcast. It's been a minute, my friends. Thanks, Chris. So good to see you. Yeah. It's good to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) seen after the last year or so as well. Um, We have not caught up um, properly. I mean, a little bit on social here and there, but we've not caught up properly since definitely like before, I think it was like the end of 2019, really. That's right. Our last chat. So much has happened over that time. Um, Michael Hyatt and co continue to just, grow. This business is amazing. Before we get into that, maybe we'll tackle that a little bit further into the chat. I just want to kind of just celebrate on you a little bit here. Congratulate you on yet another new book. This is getting to the point now where it's a little bit of an obsession. And I am starting to think to myself, I'm going to get a Michael Hyatt book sent to my house every year for probably the next 50 years, something like that. Like, this is another book. Winner works, succeed at life. What number is this? Seven, eight? This is actually number 10 in the last 10 years. So yesterday, as we're recording this, yesterday was our 10th anniversary 
of me starting Michael Hyatt and Company. Right. And this book is number 10. So basically it's been a book a year over the last 10 years. On average, right. Okay. So so okay, before we get into the book, and I'm really excited on on this topic. I've been, you know, the whole work-life thing balance has, has been around for a long, long time in terms of a discussion. I want to hear your take on it. But let's talk about those 10 years very, very quickly now. And so this when you say 10 years, are we talking about beginning as a blog? Or because that was basically how MichaelHyatt.com began, right? It was a blog to begin with. Right. Well, actually, the blog began in 2004, but I left the corporate world. I left my corporate job in 2011. And my last day on the job was April the 11th. And then the next day, I pivoted and started this new company. It was, you know, we had sold Thomas Nelson Publishers, where I was the CEO. We sold it to HarperCollins. And I thought, man, this is a great opportunity for me to do what I'd always wanted to do, which was to speak and to write and to do consulting and coaching. So that's what I did. So this this really marks the 10th anniversary of uh, this corporation coming into existence. Okay. And this has been something, obviously, I mean, like you were super busy on the speaking circuit for those first few years. I was. You, kind of, you, you, you kind of pulled back. You did a little bit here and there, and then you kind of decided I'm not going to really do that much at all. And then you started doing a little bit more. So you've gone on the roller coaster from a speaker standpoint, but the books have come out regularly, right? So I guess the big question here as a lead-in is why this book right now and why this subject right now? Like, I know there's a specific reason why Michael Hyatt has written this book, um, at this point in his own journey, what is it? Let's go from there. Yeah, great. Well, let me let me start with this story because the genesis of this project began about 20 years ago. So at that time, I had come to Thomas Nelson to take responsibility as the general manager of one of Thomas Nelson's 14 book publishing divisions. At the time, Thomas Nelson, which by the way, was originally a UK company, which uh, you know we had the the English or the the American version of that here in the states, and it was the seventh largest book publisher at the time in the United States. So I was given responsibility for this one division. What I didn't know at the time, I said yes to taking on this role, was that this particular division was dead last in the significant financial metrics. It was the slowest growing division in the entire company. In fact, it had negative growth, and it was the least profitable. It lost money the previous year. So the CEO asked me to come in and turn it around. And he said, how long do you think this is going to take you to turn around this division? And, and Chris, I didn't have a clue, but I pulled a number out of the air and with confidence said three years. And he said, okay, that's kind of what I was thinking. Have at it. So I, I cobbled together sort of a rudimentary vision. I went back to the team. I said, I think we can take this division to number one, but it's going to take a lot of work. And so everybody said, let's do it, man. And so we worked hard. We sacrificed nights, weekends. We're working 70 to 80 hours a week. I was traveling constantly. I wasn't taking care of my health. I wasn't taking a vacation, but we did it. We turned that division around in not three years, but in a year and a half. We went from number 14 to number one in terms of revenue growth. We were the fastest growing division in the company, and we were also the most profitable division in the company. And as a result of that, I got the biggest bonus check I had ever received in my life. It was more than my annual salary. Now I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. Gail is going to, my wife, Gail is going to be thrilled. And I couldn't wait 
to get home and show her the check. So I, you know, bounced through the front door, found her, unfurled the check, and she was kind of nonplussed, not that impressed. And she said to me those words that I think probably every husband dreads, maybe every spouse dreads. And she said, honey, we need to talk. And I went, oh, this is not going to be good. Talk about knocking the wind out of your sails here. Oh, yeah, it really did. And And so we went into the den and we sat down and she began to tear up. And she said, she said, first of all, I want you to understand that I love you with all my heart. And I'm so grateful for all that you've done for our family. But if I'm honest, I got to say, you're never at home. And even when you are, you're not really here. You're somewhere else. And she said, your five daughters need you now more than ever. I mean, most of them were in junior high or high school at the time. And, and then she began to cry. And she said, honestly, I feel like a single mom. And I'm not sure how much longer I can hold on. Well, Chris, that was not what I was going for. I thought I had reached the pinnacle of success. And I thought that that check was the validation of it. But what I realized was that it was a false summit, that I, w- that I had put at risk and everything that, that I loved and held dear was at that moment at risk of, of suddenly just falling apart. And so that was the beginning. And, and in the book, which by the way, I wrote the book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life with my oldest daughter, Megan, yeah. who lived through that. And she's now the CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company. But, um, but most we call this the impossible choice when you feel like you've got to choose between winning at work or succeeding at life. You know, you can't do both, so pick one. And I think that most entrepreneurs... Most business owners, when faced with that dilemma, they either decide for what we call in the book, the hustle fallacy, you know, I'll just get to work harder, double down yeah. and eventually get to the place where I can carve out some time for myself and for the, for the people that I love. Or alternatively, they don't want to put, you know, their, their personal health and their family at risk. So they apply what we call in the book, the ambition break. They pump the brakes. They say, I'm willing to settle for less at work so that I can give attention to the things that I hold dear. And Megan and I believe, and we articulate in the book and argue in the book, that this is a false dichotomy. What people need is a third option. And that's what we set forth in the book. Okay, so this is great. And like I said, the the discussion of the whole, you know, the, the, the idea of quote unquote work-life balance has been a discussion, a debate, some might say, that has been going on for a long, 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 long time. Um, I can just imagine knowing you the way I do and knowing Gail the way that I've gotten to know her over the years as well. We had lots of dinners together and lots of laughs together and knowing how much you adore each other. um, That must have been absolutely heartbreaking to hear those words coming out of her mouth all those years. I mean, like if anything is going to put a, uh, a boot up your rear end to figure things out, that's going to do it. Right. Because really you, you guys are like rock solid, but to know that you kind of weren't at one point is I think extremely, uh, you know, that's like humility built in right there from, from a, from a, well, it, it was a crisis yeah. and, you know, a lot of good things can come out of a crisis. You know, you and I were talking before we 
started recording about the pandemic and yeah, you know, sort of there's there's sort of been for many of us, not everybody, I realize, but for for many of us, there's been sort of an unexpected gift in that. And that conversation with Gail was a total gift. We've been married today 43 years. We have five grown daughters. We have nine grandkids. All of them live within 20 minutes of us. And but but all of that would not have been possible if I had continued on that same trajectory. Yeah. And, and so one of the things I realized is that I needed outside help. And I know you have a coaching practice. I have a coaching practice. We both believe in coaching. And I realized I needed to get some coaching because, you know, if, if, I, if I knew how to do something different, I would have done it, but I didn't. Yes. So I thought it was either total work or nothing. Yeah. And so I hired an executive coach. And, and by the way, the subtitle of the book, and this is apropos to what I'm about to share, five principles to free yourself from the cult of overwork. And so that's exactly what it is today. And we yeah. have a lot of celebrity entrepreneurs, people like that we talk about in the book, like Elon Musk, who many people adore and even idolize. And a lot of young entrepreneurs that I meet, you know, see him as sort of the icon of what they want to be. And yet I think many people are not aware of his own personal situation, what it's personally cost him. So he's, he's now just finished his third marriage. That's over. He's got five sons that by his own admission won't talk to him. Actually has six sons, but five of them won't talk to him. The other one's too young at this point. Um, but, you know, his great ambition, and maybe this is what it costs to do this, is, is to go to Mars. But he, he may well be there alone. Mm. You know, and, and I didn't want to get to the end of my days being alone. So I hired an executive coach and my coach said to me, he said to me, I just want to make sure that I understand your situation. He said, my guess is that you're the kind of person who in the middle of the afternoon comes to the realization that you're not going to complete your to-do list, but you say to yourself, no problem, because I could always go home, grab a quick meal with the family pop open my laptop and continue to work. And I said, you've pegged me. That's exactly what I do. And he said, my guess is that you get to Friday afternoon when you realize you can't complete your task list by the end of the week. So you say, no problem. I could work Saturday morning. I could work Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening and you get it done. And you're probably the kind of person that goes on a vacation, gets up two hours before the rest of the family just so you can work on that project you haven't had time to get to during normal work hours. And I said, well, you have absolutely got me dialed in. That's who I am. So this is where my recovery began, Chris. He said to me, he said, you have got to embrace constraints. And this is one of the five principles in the book that constraints are actually the ticket to freedom. And so he said, is there a time that you're willing to end work every day? And I said, yes. I said, I'm willing to commit to you that I am going to end work by 6 p.m. every day. Now, I'll tell you, I'll come back and tell you what I'm doing today. But at that time, that was like a big stretch. And he said, what about the weekends? And I said, I'm, I'm willing to commit to not work on the weekends. He said, okay, about vacations? Yep, I'm willing to commit to that. So this was the kicker. He said, okay, given your commitments, and he said, I just applaud that because he said, that's going to serve you in ways that you don't fully understand right now. And he was right. He said, given that you've made those commitments, I'm sure you won't mind if I periodically call Gail and check in on how you're doing. Check in with the bots, the real bots. Oh my gosh. 
Well, I'm the kind of guy, you know, not, not intending to deceive, but I would spin it. If I was just talking to my coach, I would spin it the best possible way. Right. But talking to Gail, <laughs> she's going to give him the straight scoop to, to know really how I'm doing. And that was that, that built in accountability helped me stay the course and get traction. Now, here's what I found that, that happened. And this is why this principle of constraint is so powerful. Middle of the afternoon, I'm thinking to myself, I'm at risk of not finishing what's most important today. I've got to double down because I can't work this evening and I can't work this weekend. And so I prioritized my work. I triaged my work. I did what was most important. I couldn't afford to get distracted. Couldn't afford to blow it off till later. And it was kind of like when you go on holiday on the Friday before you leave, like that's the most productive day of the year, right? Because you have a hard boundary. You're flying out the next day to go to some exotic location or or maybe just you know take some time off. And so you have to be uber productive to get it done. That's the power of constraints. And that's one of the five principles that we that we talk about in the book. And you know, I it, it didn't happen overnight. But that was the beginning, and that's what I advise people today. If you want to begin to recover some semblance of work-life balance, that's where it has to begin. You've got to put some boundaries around your work. And that's the only difference between a swamp and a river is that a river has banks. It has boundaries. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Okay, so before we go into the other four principles real quick here, um, I want to ask you were doing all those crazy hours, your wife is upset, your kids have never seen you, yada, yada, yada. What you kind of hinted at it here, but where are you now at this stage of your career? Give us the, well, the rundown. Because we are so passionate about this, this has kind of been built into what we've tried to do at Michael Hyde and Company. Yeah. By the way, this idea of win at work and succeed at life, we call this the double win. And it's the thing that we try to help our coaching clients get, that all of our products that are Full Focus Planner, which is another big product that we produce, is designed to produce is that double win. So we've always been really focused on, on trying to make sure that, for example, we don't email our employees after hours or on the weekends because we want them to have the margin to live the kind of life that makes life rich and meaningful. Plus- Love that. Gives them the opportunity to rejuvenate and get the rest so that when they show up at work, they're the best version of themselves. So we've we've always said no more than 40 hours a week. If we can't get it done in 40 hours a week, we're not doing it right. But here's the kicker. So the pandemic happens. It's uh, the end of March. We have a lot of young parents who work for us. Suddenly, their kids are home from school. Suddenly, they don't have childcare. Suddenly, they're trying to manage, you know, this circus of activity uh, in the midst of the pandemic. So we said, okay, as an experiment, let's go to a 30-hour or six-hour-per-day workday. And we said the key is going to be, can we maintain our productivity? Can we hit our budget in 30 hours a week? So we're cutting now our work time by 25%. So after two weeks, got together as executive team. We said, you know what? We can't tell any difference. People are making great decisions. Things are rocking on. So let's keep doing this. We did it through the summer. And then our executive team got together in the fall at our strategic planning meeting. We said, this is going to become permanent. And we finished the year. We finished 2020, 52% ahead 
on the bottom line of our budget and 101% ahead of the previous year, which had already been enormously profitable. And it's, it's counterintuitive, I know, but I really think we were able to achieve more by working less. It forced us to prioritize. It focus, focus, uh, forced us to get hyper-focused on the things that really matter, that are the high leverage things that drive the business forward. So, and we've been on the Inc. 5000 list for the last several years as one of America's fastest growing companies. We we won last year uh, the Inc., you know, best places to work in America. And so this, all, all I'm saying is that this double win idea is possible. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, clearly you, you, I mean, you're living it, right? And not only you, but also your, your entire team by the sound of it as well. That's so cool though, that you got together like that at the beginning of the pandemic. Cause I mean, like you say, a lot of people are young, you know, I mean, we, you know, we had to make changes in our end as well. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, Charlie was 12, Cassandra was three, right? And it was like, what are we going to do here? Like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, wait a minute. I'm I'm a science teacher now, like all the other stuff. Now I've got to teach science. What do I know about protons and atoms and things like this, right? And so it was, you know, at first it was a little comical. And, and I think we all kind of thought oh, it'll only be a couple of weeks. And then it became quite clear that I was going to have to start, you know, learning how to, be, how, to how to teach stuff. Um, other than building businesses. And it was it was interesting to go through that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your team struggled with it, but clearly they had your support, which is awesome. Um, okay, so let's go through these other four principles okay. real quick. We'll take a little, you know, a little a little bus stop journey on these these other four. Yeah, well, the one I shared with you about constraints is actually the second one, but let me give okay. you the first one, which is um, work is only one way to orient your life. Now, if you were to listen to Elon Musk, who, by the way, advocates that people work 100 hours a week, and he says that if you do that, you'll get a leg up on the competition, and you'll be able to accomplish in three or four months what it takes them 12 months to do. Well, that's none of the science supports that. Uh, the truth is you become completely exhausted. Yeah. And we all know that when we're tired, when we're exhausted, we don't make our best decisions. We don't do our best work right? So work is only one way to orient your life. The truth is life is multidimensional. There are many aspects to life. You know, there's your spiritual life and your intellectual life and your physical life and your marriage and your kids and your finances and your hobbies and all these different things. And life is so much better, so much more rewarding when you give attention to those other areas. And the fact is they're all interrelated. Yes, they are. Yeah. So that if you're if you're going through stress at work, it's gonna it's gonna back up into your personal health and your relationships. If you got a problem with one of your kids, that's gonna that's gonna cause you to be distracted at work. So there's these are all interrelated. So that if we only focus on one to the exclusion of the others, it's a recipe for disaster. It's only a matter of time before we hit a crisis that uh, ultimately is going to back up into our work. So you think, well, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my, my family and my personal priorities so that I can win at work. Well, ultimately, you won't even win at work. So you've got to give attention to all these areas. So that's the first principle. The second okay. one is the one we talked about with constraints. So I won't rehash that. But constraints mm -hmm. foster productivity, creativity, and freedom. The third one is probably the most controversial. 
And that's that work-life balance is truly possible. Now, I've been hearing for years, and you've probably heard for years yourself, that it's a myth. And I think that, that when I hear that today, I realize that one of two things have to be true for people to say that. Either they've just given up and settled, and this is their way of making peace with the fact that they can't figure out a way to, right. to win at work and succeed at life. Or the other thing that it can mean is that they built a straw man about what balance is, and then they refute the straw man. So when I'm talking about balance, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it means we give equal time and attention to every dimension of life. For example, I worked out at the gym for 45 minutes this morning. I'm working today a six-hour workday. I don't need to work out for six hours to be in balance. The appropriate amount of time and attention, 45 minutes at the gym, keeps me in the best shape of my life. I don't need to do more than that. I'm not going to spend six hours with my wife, Gail, today. It would drive her crazy if I tried, <laughs> right? But I'm going to give her the appropriate amount of time and attention. We'll have dinner together. We've got some friends coming over for dinner tonight. But but again, it's the appropriate amount of time and attention. And so that means that I'm aware of these other dimensions and I schedule these into my life so that I make time for the things that are non-work related. Love so it. that's what I mean by work-life balance. Love it. That's on the side real quick here. Yeah, no, go ahead. Ha have you ever, have you ever bought into back in the day, even, um, have you ever bought into the whole, it's a myth thing? It's oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just this, thought, is, this is like a realization thing over the course it is. of years, right? I, I would say that what happened to us, and this is what happens to a lot of people, nobody intentionally says, hey, I'm going to come up with a system that ultimately destroys <laughs> my health and ruins my most important relationships. Right. Now, what happens is you don't design that, you drift into it. Sure. Right. And so I think where Gail and I had drifted before this conversation in the den is that we had an unspoken, maybe even unconscious pact. And the pact was this, I would do whatever it took to keep the family afloat and to build a future. And she would do whatever it took to keep the home fires burning and, you know, very traditional, I know, old fashioned, probably kind of model that's outdated, but that's, that's where we were, you know, 20 years ago. And, and it wasn't a very good pact, you know, that was not work-life balance. And I think it took that crisis for us to kind of smell the coffee and go, whoa, you know, we need to wake up here yeah, because sure. this is, this is not, and I say this often about the drift, which has become a big metaphor for me. Nobody ever drifted to a destination they would have chosen. I have, I, I I think you told, did you not tell me the story about how you guys were out snorkeling? This is where yes. the drift, the drift came where you were kind of splashing around and you had the snorkels on and you're, oh, it's beautiful. It's so nice. And then you kind of turn around and realize you were like, you know, five kilometers from the shore or something ridiculous, right? And it was yeah, we got a real a battle riptide. to get back. We got caught in a riptide. And we were completely unconscious, unaware of it until we pulled our head out of the water. And, you know, we were a long ways from the shore yeah. and had to swim for about an hour. And it's a miracle that we, we survived that, but that's, that's always that's been the drift. Yeah, right. that's the drift. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Okay. So we got one, we got two, we got three. What's the fourth one? The fourth one 
And this is really hard for me, but there's incredible power in non-achievement. Now, mm. give you the context. On the, the Gallup Strength Finders assessment, my number one strength is achiever. On the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that particular assessment, you know, I'm an Enneagram three, the performer, the achiever. So for me, if I'm breathing, I'm achieving. (laughs) And, and I'm the kind of guy, and I don't, you probably can't relate to this, Chris, because you're more balanced, but I'm the kind of guy that will write things down on my to-do list after I've done them just so I can check them off. (laughs) Right. So So I'm an achiever through and through, and it's taken me 20 years to come to the place where I realized there's enormous value in non-achievement. You know, the truth is the things that are the most rewarding, that are the most enriching, that are the most satisfying are things you can't check off a to-do list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, hobbies would be a good example of that. Spending time with with the people that we love, whether that's our spouse or our significant other or our kids or our friends, you know, those are the things that you know. I would hate to get to the end of my day, end of my days, you know, and 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 think, oh man, I achieved all these things, but I don't really have any hobbies. I don't really have any life outside of work. Yeah, you know, that's a recipe for regret. And so we got to start seeing the value of non-achievement. And, and think of it this way. The thing about non-achievement, it gives you an opportunity to breathe, to relax. Like when I'm out fishing, I was telling you before that, you know, we, we bought this house on a lake. And so I'm out there almost every weekend and fishing or boating. I love that. I love that. And you know, it's often in those moments when I have my breakthrough business ideas. Because that surprised me. That doesn't surprise me at all. Last year, you know, with everything, with with obviously the homeschooling, having to, you know, make a lot of changes within the businesses um, and doing a whole bunch of other stuff, I found myself stressing out over work for the first time, like properly stressing out for the first time in years, quite yeah. frankly. And one afternoon, I just turned around and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done for the day. I'm not doing, it was just after lunch. I'm not doing anything else. I'm going to go for a walk. And I walked and walked and walked. And I had my little, um, you know, like a little backpack thing that I kind of take around with me. And there's a notebook in there. And I had some pens. And Michael, for the first time in probably 25 years, I sat and I sketched. I used to sketch. Love it. My father was an architect. I used to sketch all the time. And it was the first time I sketched properly for 25 years, probably. And now I'm sketching every weekend. And I'm loving it. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and, and what that means is that when Chris has been sketching on the weekends and not thinking about work and gets back to work, suddenly, you know, he's bringing his best version. The best version of Chris shows up. Yes. You're rejuvenated, you're rested, which, by the way, leads to the fifth principle, which uh, is the importance of rest. You know, rest is the foundation of meaningful, productive work. It's not the reward, which is what I used to think, right? So, you know, once I get this product launched or get this business sold or do something significant, then I'll rest. No, it's the prerequisite. It's the condition for meaningful, productive work. And so we talk a lot about in the book about the importance of rest and why you need to rest 
at least eight hours a night and why if you do that, you're going to find yourself more creative, more focused, and more productive. Could not agree more. Win at work and succeed at life. Michael and Megan Hyatt Miller. Michael Hyatt, Megan Hyatt Miller. I always forget that Megan, she likes to throw the curveball at us by slamming her married name on there as well. You need to have a conversation with her about that. I need to bring that up with her. Um, listen, give her my best. Give Gail my best. I know um, that you are going to do incredibly well with this book. This book, I think, it, 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 I think this is going to make more change. I think overall in people's lives than probably Thank you. you know maybe maybe since uh, free to focus possibly you know and and I think that uh, I think this is just going to be great. I can't wait to be able to um, gift it to a whole bunch of our. Uh, our incubator folks, as I do with all of our guests. So, Michael, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, I wish you all the best with it, man. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate your support. Okay. And for the you guys tuning in, hey, you know we're going to be back next week with another great chat. Until then, take great care. And don't forget, you got to succeed at life as well as winning at work. I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode. I really appreciate it sincerely. You know, if you are interested in potentially working with me to be able to build your business in a smart, savvy manner that really does truly set you up for future-proofing yourself and obviously building a profitable business, I'd love to hear from you. So send me a direct message on Instagram at Chris Ducker with the word podcast and I'll know exactly where you've come from. And that for me is more important than anything else because if I don't know where you're coming from, I don't know how I'm going to be able to help you get to where you want to be. Thanks very much again for tuning in. I appreciate you. We'll see you again soon.